Hello, welcome to Dyslexia Explored. I'm Darius Nomderon, your host, and today we're going to take as our topic for the podcast our little book club on the dyslexic advantage and instead of doing it chapter by chapter we're doing it every three or four pages at a time because that's the way the book is structured and so today's three pages are on chapter 7 page 61 to 63 and here they talk about the trade-off with m strengths now let me explain that to you and let's have a little discussion about it i'll give you some feedback and some quotes from it and then some discussion So here goes. So in this chapter, what they're doing is they've basically talked about mind strengths, M-I-N-D, and they're talking about M strengths here called material reasoning, which is basically three-dimensional thinking and the incredible ability a lot of people with dyslexia have extra ability to three-dimensionally think. They've got like an enhanced grid 3D grid in their mind to organize and visualize 3D things. Now, it comes at a cost. Their hypothesis in this whole book is that dyslexia comes with trade-offs. Things you're strong at come at the cost and make other things weaker. It's like a zero-sum game, as it were, in your mind, in your brain resources, that some resources are taken and added to one part of your brain and reduced in other parts of your brain. And in this case, Dyslexic Advantage is saying often higher level functions are preferred by a dyslexic mind, and the lower level functions are, you know, subtracted from so that you can enhance the higher level functions. So today they talk about the struggle with symbols. So someone who's got very strong three-dimensional thinking can actually have a weak two-dimensional thinking and symbols live in the two-dimensional realm. So uh, letters and numbers, for example. Now the interesting thing is that a lot of people think that one of the biggest signs of dyslexia is that you reverse letters and that the letters jiggle up and down. And this actually made me think I wasn't dyslexic for 35 years. I was kind of like, well, I can't be dyslexic because the the letters stay still. They don't jiggle. They don't reverse. They're all the way they should be. Although I had other issues. Well, it turns out that that's a little bit of a myth. I mean, there's not the, what, what the reality is that here they quote, I'll give you a quote, for example, in our experience, roughly one in four people with dyslexia, with extreme dyslexia, have letter reversals. And so only a quarter of people with dyslexia, and and actually I've spoken to other educational psychologists, like maybe a tenth of people who are identified and diagnosed with dyslexia have the letters shake up and down when they're reading. And so this might surprise you, but it's not as strong an indicator of dyslexia as you might think. There are stronger indicators of dyslexia. For example, difficulty with spelling is is a much stronger indicator of dyslexia than if the letters jiggle up and down or that you reverse them. For example, they say here, 
until the age of eight, as many as one third of children continue to make occasional mirror image substitutions when reading and writing. If such mistakes are only occasional and the child has no reading difficulty, these errors are neither important nor a sign of dyslexia. It's part of their learning process. Uh, gradually, the brain learns to remove the mirror function because it's interesting and early in the chapter they talk about uh, every person gets born with the ability to see every two-dimensional and three-dimensional symbol mirrored and it's automatic in the brain and what happens is gradually the brain learns to remove one of those images so the, cor the one with the correct ver version it remains. So it's a gradual process. But really what struck me in this one was uh, Leonardo da Vinci is probably the most extreme example of a dyslexic thinker that reversed and maintained this mirror imaging into his adulthood. Not every dyslexic you know, has mirrored imaging, but da Vinci did. And his, it says here, his lifelong dyslexic difficulties in reading, word usage, syntax, and spelling were combined with phenomenal M strengths, three-dimensional thinking strengths, as we all know. While many people are aware that Leonardo wrote his journals in mirror image script, few knew that he also drew many of his sketches and landscapes in mirror image. Now, uh, if you do have difficulties with mirror imaging and letters, here's an interesting little tip. One a biochemist, Dr. Roy Daniels, he has a technique. He writes in capital letters to avoid himself writing in mirrors. And I actually do a lot of my maps in capital letters just to aid my rereading of the map and my notes afterwards because I have to write less because I'm visually mapping. I don't need to worry about writing in capitals. And that's quick summary of those pages. Now, what can we take away from that as parents uh, with children with dyslexia? So first of all, just, just because you don't mirror image doesn't mean you're not dyslexic, first one, because there's three out of four people with dyslexia don't flip images or aren't like Leonardo da Vinci. So uh, we're not super extremely dyslexic. And there are a range, there is a range of dyslexia, you know, mild, moderate, and extreme. And one of the ways to understand this range of dyslexia is it's tempting to think, ah, oh, well, you know, everyone's on this kind of gradient. It's kind of like, you know, you know, and it can be dismissed as, well, you know, I might just be a little bit dys dyslexic. It's not such a big deal. But that's kind of like saying, I might have a manual car compared to an automatic car. That is a big deal to know the difference between whether you've got a manual car or an automatic car, because you drive a manual car very differently than an automatic car. Well, not majorly differently. For example, I've been driving all my life and having difficulties with my car. 
you've got good road navigation, good road craft, but your car stalls occasionally and you find it hard to get started and things like that and you get confused while your car runs out of fuel so quickly compared to other people. Well, it could be because you're stuck in first gear and not going up through the gears in your car because you don't realize your car is a manual car compared to other people, the majority of people's cars who are automatics. Now, how does this relate to Leonardo da Vinci and uh, me, for example? I'm moderately dyslexic. I don't flip letters and so on. Leonardo da Vinci, extremely dyslexic, extremely intelligent, much more dyslexic and intelligent than me. What's, what's the commonality and what's the difference? The commonality is that we're both manual thinkers much more manual about the way we process things, etc. The difference is, like a stick shift car, it's kind of like I've got four gears in my car and Leonardo da Vinci's got like 18 gears in the juggernaut engine of his big, you know, brain. And if you think about a pickup truck, it might have six gears in it might have a few more, in fact, lower gears, etc. And um, if you think of a truck, it'll have 18 gears in it. So a truck's like super dyslexic, a mildly dyslexic person might have, you know, three or four gears, a moderately dyslexic might have six gears. So, but there's still manual gears that they have to put the clutch in and go up those gears. And the, the key is this clutch. It's a different way of processing information. It's much more manual, much more labor intensive than the automatic car that will go up through the gears just by putting more power on the gas. And so what you can learn from this is that you might not have the extreme traits of some people with dyslexia, but you still have a lot of the drawbacks, a lot of the difficulties that come with it. So you've got this group of people in society that are stealth dyslexics. Basically, they're like managing to get up to 60 miles an hour in first gear, whereas uh, a truck can nowhere near get to 60 miles an hour in first gear. And so the schools manage to identify all the 18 gears truck thinkers and they get a small proportion of all of the people with dyslexia in school. So for example in the UK there's about at least 10% of the population have dyslexia and only two to three percent at the most are identified with dyslexia and those are probably the ones that show the most extreme indicators of dyslexia. The other 7%, the other, what is that? 10% of the UK population is 6 million people. So that works out to be about 4 million people are stealth dyslexics. You might be a dyslexic listening to this right now. And those stealth dyslexics are those who can get into first gear and get up to roughly 50 or 60 miles an hour in first gear. They're burning out their engine, 
but they're, 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 they're making headway. The truck, there's no way. The truck would go up to maybe five miles an hour in first gear and that's it. Have to go up to second gear to get up to eight miles an hour and third gears to get up to 15 miles an hour and fourth gear. And that's the way the truck works. That's why it's got so many gears. And so it's impossible to get up to 60 miles an hour. Whereas in a car, you, with first gear, you could really push the car to its limits and get somewhere up there uh, and sort of get away with it. And there's a lot of people trying to get away with it. And as life demands you to go faster, you know, 70 miles an hour, standard speed on the motorway, 70 miles an hour, standard effort for someone, an adult in a professional job, they suddenly really start hitting the limits of their capacity. And that's when they start questioning, oh my goodness, is there something wrong with me? And then they realize I'm dyslexic and then they learn some techniques to get them engaged into these higher gears. And the, the key thing to get engaged in the higher gears is to realize that there is a step-by-step -step process you have to follow and the steps between them, you must engage your imagination. And that's when you see someone like Leonardo da Vinci's notebooks and so on, he's constantly engaging his imagination. And that's what connects him to the next level of the activity. And you'll see that with this M strength, these three dimensional reasoning things. You know, when someone takes two dimensional thinking and engages it with their imagination and translates it up into three dimensional thinking and uses extra effort to sort of three dimensionalize it, they can start relating to those symbols, etc. You'll see that often in the Davis method, for example. People will model clay letters and things like that so that you're turning into three dimensional, a two dimensional symbol into a three dimensional image so that your brain can actually recognize it and relate to it through its strengths. And so that's it in effect going up through the gears of that learning process, that procedure using their imagination. And that's often where their strengths lie, different kinds of imagination. So dyslexic advantage, we'll call it M strengths. I would call it three-dimensional imagination, 3D imagination. And, and that's a similar, same thing, but you know, a translation of it into a different language. So I hope you found that interesting as a summary. Let's go to any questions folk might have with you on uh, watching. Any questions, guys, or comments? Let's go to them. I will go look at them and read them out. There's 14 of you watching. Thanks for watching. What are your questions about this? Kate McLRD. Thank you for your comment, Kate. Any questions about this letter reversals or the letter shaking and what we've been talking about today? And just while you write in your comments or ask your questions, I think it's really obvious to, to, to say that I think I really believe in the dyslexic advantages premise that they, that children with dyslexia, adults with dyslexia don't have a disability. They have a more specialized ability. And that specialized ability comes as a trade-off from other abilities. So it's kind of like saying, if we take our car engine analogy, when you're building your car, 
you might say, do you want a manual gearbox or an automatic gearbox? And you've got a fixed cost for the car. And the manual gearbox is cheaper. And the automatic gearbox is much more complicated, does it for you, but it's more expensive. And the person buying the car says, no, I'll have the manual gearbox, but please put in a more powerful engine or put in some sort of tow hook or winch into the vehicle instead or some other feature or capability in the vehicle as a trade-off. And so often you'll find people with very highly specialized minds, let's say, let's extend this vehicle analogy to say that you might be a manual car or an automatic car, okay? But you get different kinds of manual vehicles. You get fire engines, you get trucks, you get off-road vehicles, you get cranes that are on a truck, you know? And so they've had their resources allocated differently than maybe a typical sedan car that most people have. And so some of the challenges that children get given in school, when you, if, imagine you give a car, a regular car, the job of picking up this package and delivering it 10 miles, an hour, 10 miles down the road to your grandmother, okay? Uh, so it's like, write a story, write a letter that is to your grandmother and go and deliver it to your grandmother and show it to her. Take that as an analogy. Well, if you've got a sedan car and you start asking it to drive down the roads and so on, great. But if that kid is driving uh, a, a heavy goods vehicle that is hugely wide, hugely long, with 18 gears, and they're kind of crunching into first gear and they're going up the road and they're going around the corner they're smashing a car here they're smashing a car there and you just think what's wrong with this car this kid they're just smashing everything up everything's going wrong what's wrong with them it's probably because they're driving a vehicle that's not necessarily suited to the small winding lanes of a delivery vehicle uh, whereas if you put them onto another a building site and they get onto the building site and they start driving along and they and you ask them to lift something from here and drop it over to there there's no way someone with a sedan car could do that but they'll do it effortlessly and this is like a three-dimensional m strength gift you know i've got a crane that can lift this huge idea lift it from here put it to there rearrange things and so on and they come into their own so the point of the dyslexic advantage is that our brains, the 10% of the population, are outliers because they've got much more specialized brains. And so, and it's, you often don't quite know what the specialty is. So if you're getting a dyslexia assessment, dyslexia assessor will go, right, okay, I reckon your um, vehicle has a very large engine, IQ. I think it's probably got about 12 gears processing speed okay and i think it's working memory is maybe really quite low it's maybe just got you know one or two seats in the car you know maybe there's just one seat in the cab and they've got one unit of working memory like the seats in a car whereas a typical car would have an average sized engine with an automatic gearbox 
and five to seven seats in the back of the car. So they've got plenty of working memory, they've got an automatic processing, and they've got an average size engine. And so they can actually do lots of average stuff in it. You know, whereas someone who's got this specialized brain with a very large engine possibly, tons of gears to learn to go through, a tight one seat, what kind of vehicle they are. You can't tell until you start, you know, kind of communicating and learning. So one seat, lots of gears and a big engine. They could be a combine harvester. One seat, lots of gears, big engine, great for harvesting a field. Or they could be uh, a fire engine, you know? Oh no, no, that wouldn't be one seat. Yeah, that would be five seats maybe, you know, etc. So you get where I'm coming, you know, it could be two seats with a truck, you know, big engine and 18 gears. And, you know, the, there's all sorts of different vehicles that can match the parameters of a dyslexia assessment. And the key in all of this is once you realize you've got a manual gearbox, you realize you need to learn some gear techniques to go up through those gears, whether you're mildly dyslexic, moderately, or extremely dyslexic. So that's my kind of take on dyslexic advantage the shuggling of the letters, flipping of the letters, and the gearbox analogy. Ah, right, Rach Oland, thank you for asking that question about, uh, do you think the mirror imaging is potentially a vision problem? My son has convergence insufficiency. Well, interestingly enough, in the podcast, a few episodes back, we interviewed uh, uh, ophthalmologist. Uh, let me just have a look at where it is. Um, yes, here. If you go to podcast episode 49, we've got, it's called co-occurring co visual problems that go along with dyslexia. We explore the story of Dr. Bavin Shah, a behavioral optometrist, and the co-occurring visual problems that go along with dyslexia. So dyslexia itself isn't a problem. This is the answer he would give you. Um, so let me just give you the answer he'd give you. The answer is yes. It could be an indicator of visual problems, not just dyslexia. And so it's really useful because often uh, if you're a very specialized thinker, like a dyslexic thinker, it comes with other difficulties, you know, where you've different strengths and weaknesses. And you can actually get some weaknesses in your eye muscles and the way your eyes work and so on. It's not an indicator of dyslexia, but sometimes it accompanies dyslexia, differences in your muscles and things like that. And in fact, often dyslexic thinkers are often have a much wider field of vision. Some scientists have done some research on, on their physical eye structure. So there are some co-occurring issues uh, with dyslexia and it's useful to go and get them checked out. So, you know, dyslexia isn't a visual problem, but it is really useful to go and get the visual problems uh, checked out. In fact, the British Dyslexia Association suggests that every child should get a dyslexia assessment and uh, a visual assessment as well uh, because of this. So, it's a, it's a good indicator. And often you see it the other way around. You can go to an ophthalmologist to think, oh, my child's short-sighted or they're not reading the board or keeping up because it's blurry or something like that. And he talks more about that in that podcast. So I highly recommend that. It's a great podcast.
Any other questions folk got? So folks, thank you very much for listening to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you want to know more about how we at bulletmapacademy.com, the host of this podcast, the way we help children with dyslexia once they can read, we help them with organizing their thoughts, reading comprehension, listening and taking notes, remembering things, and how to retell uh, information. Those five issues that are um, affected by dyslexia. We do it uh, with online tutoring and online courses. We've basically got a dyslexia club. Uh, it's a club for children with dyslexia and ADHD basically uh, to help them learn all these skills and survive and thrive in school and in work, get them ready for real life. Um, so if you want to check that out, go to bulletmapacademy.com forward slash workshop. And we've got some great workshops there for you to try out. Thanks. See you in the next podcast. Bye. This podcast is sponsored by dyslexiaproductivitycoaching.com. It's my day job when I'm not hosting this podcast. Tell me. Do you know what you want to achieve in the workplace, but you're struggling with how to achieve it? Maybe you suspect some traits of dyslexia are getting in the way. Well, that's where dyslexia productivity coaching comes in because we give you a simple productivity system for your Apple devices that harnesses the creativity that comes with your dyslexia. It includes proven methods like note-taking, reminders, speech-to-text, mind mapping, and more, all tailored to your needs. It'll free up your time and help you achieve outstanding results. Book a complimentary call to discuss it with me. And if you do it soon, I may also be available to coach you personally via Zoom. So don't be shy. Go to dyslexiaproductivitycoaching.com or swipe up and book it now.